a, uh, a quick quip here at the top. Um, so Barry, how do I how do I sound this week? Oh, you sound so much better than last week. I cannot believe oh, you went wow. an entire podcast with such rubbish audio quality. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, it it seems like that that one piece uh, really holds us back. Uh, or it, in my head, it holds us back. It probably doesn't. People are probably fine with it. But it's like, I don't know. It just it sucks to put so much effort into something that you love so much, and then to have it suffer because you didn't check a setting at the top. Yeah, well, all I can say is let yourself down. You let the podcast down. Yeah, exactly. You get your community down. Exactly. Nobody actually noticed. You know what does spe- that make? <laughs> speaking of community, um, not to toot our own horn here, but somebody referred to Human Factors Cast as a pillar of the Human Factors community the other day, and it really like warmed my heart a little bit. <laughs> That's really. It was was it pillar or pillow? Pillar. Oh, pillar. pillar. I was going to say if it was yeah. a pillow, that that could be slightly different. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, just, oh, that's, that's it's what thing. everybody uses to go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> human factors ASMR, right? Um, <laughs> that's fantastic news. That, that's really cool. Yeah, so I, cool. I thought it was a tremendous compliment, and I'm uh, I'm, I'm really thrilled about it. Um, hang on, I, I am testing my audio right now. Hang on. Yeah, I was going to say, please go back and check it over the monitor. And I, I am stuff. testing my audio. Right yep, no, it's good. It's good. It's yeah, good. yeah. All right, I'm just making sure because. I don't want to have that happen again. That was embarrassing. Professionalism out the why, door. Why a lot of um, presenters, um, publishers, and stuff have uh, the little red light on the microphone, not yeah. just on, not just in the studio. You need one. Mm-hmm. But, um, so now I've done that. With, I've done that myself because I have two. I have the mic I use for work, and that's just sort of sat there. It's it's a half decent one, but it's not, you know, a good quality one. Um, and then I have this one, which I, which I save save for special podcasting occasions. Um, which really, I should just use it for for everything. But I, I do like to, I do like think this is a bit more special. Um, whereas the other one's just an everyday, robust, still not cheap, but um, that type of mic. Yeah. But there we go. It's uh, the amount of stuff, the amount of money you can spend on just random little gadgets in terms of all this stuff, just to just to get a little bit extra perfection of. I know. If only I was, the thing is. What you have is that idea of um, all the gear and no idea. So I got mm-hmm. lots and lots of gear. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't I know. What I'm doing. Over yeah. here. I don't know what I'm doing. So I've got all the really good oh. kit. So it looks good if nothing else. Um. Okay. So show notes. Uh, hi everybody. We're, you know, Barry and I talk for about ten minutes before the show goes live. To like that loosen us up, you know, we knock a, f- a couple back just to make sure that we're like in the mood to podcast here. Mm-hmm. And um, so I often forget that we go live and then we just ramble and I forget to say hello to everybody watching. So if you are watching this live, hello. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate that. Um, this is the pre-show. We're going to be talking about some of the show notes. The story that we have for you tonight is talking about mental health and what that term really means. So it, it'll be interesting episode if you're if you're watching this live actually uh why don't you just go ahead and put in chat wherever you're watching from love to know those types of things um actually we've had a we've had a first first wave oh a first wave so it's actually from, from yeah from my brother oh um, about to ask any relation yeah so he's, he's he's up the other end of the country um, oh, wow. other, the other end of the uk so um good evening tony good evening um, tony thank you for joining us uh but yeah, so where's everybody else listening, watching from? Yeah, now you're watching or you're, are you listening? That's, I guess watching you know, at this point. You know, there's a couple uh, 
there's a couple places in which um like audio is broadcast so like twitter spaces uh and like mixcloud is another one i've Mm -hmm. i've thought about you know playing around with those but a lot of them so like mixcloud is like the podcast live it's like live radio yeah 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 um and we could do that it costs money uh and oh let's not do that for not a whole lot of return on investment on our part like um that's cool the the Twitter spaces is I've never actually delved into a Twitter space yet, so um, yeah I, I, I don't know whether I I, I haven't delved in so I don't know whether it's any good yet or not. Yeah, well, uh, see here's here's my thing with uh, Twitter Spaces. We're actually broadcasting on Twitter as a separate thing, right? You see our video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just don't know. So like I don't know. I I've played around with the idea and I actually don't know much about Twitter Spaces either. Uh, just something fun that Is maybe it- we can try. Well, I wonder because presumably Twitter Spaces is a takeoff. What what was it called? Uh, Periscope. Uh, no, it was the other one. Wasn't it? No, was it was it? the other one. It was. Um, I'm drawing a blank, but it's the other chat one. Periscope is like TikTok, uh, but seven seconds. Or no, wait, no. I'm I'm thinking of Vine. No, you're I'm getting Vine, all these yeah. all these things mixed up. I'm fairly sure. I th- I think, and and this is rare for me. I think I'm right. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Well. No, I'm not going to check and then just. And then just prove that. Uh, no, yes, I, I can I just can I just put that I, can, I was right. I was right about something that doesn't happen often. Um, yeah, so that was the Periscope was that uh, live streaming app which was then acquired uh, by Twitter just before it launched, and then which I'm just reading off Wikipedia. Um, and I remember having a go with it. So when I was more involved in politics my first time around, I would talk like when I was walking home, I'd, I'd sort of do a bit of a bit of a Periscope, and people would come on and ask me questions and stuff. And he's like, no. Okay, so that's uh, what I was thinking of. It's it's a it's it's not a clone, but it's it's kind of um, taking the concept of Clubhouse. So that was what yeah. it was based on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, that's another thing that we should look in. I don't know. We've um, well, I got I got an early invite to Clubhouse. Um, did you? Yeah, so but again, it's just people. Just it's just people talking, which is kind of ironic for you know a couple of guys who run a, run podcasts. Uh, to be complaining about, but it just seemed to be sort of so structured and stuff. I don't know, but um... you know what? Um, you know, you know what we've been trying to do over on our Discord. If anyone's watching, listening, uh, we've been trying to get in on the Discord chat uh, occasionally throughout the week. So I was in there earlier this week looking at news stories, um, and that's fun. Sometimes uh, no one shows up, and that's fine too. But like, uh, you know, in Sometimes yeah, you I, have this intense discussion, which is awesome. I'm, I missed you this week because like, what was I doing on Monday night? I can't, uh, it wasn't Monday night you dropped in, wasn't it? It was. was that uh, would have been your Tuesday night. Yeah, or it so, would have been actually yeah. like really early AM for you on Wednesday, I think. Yeah, so yeah, that'll be why I missed you then. Yeah. Um, as much as I like you, I'm not. I'm not getting no, up I, early in the morning I, to uh, the yeah. chat to you. There's only so much um, you can do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see. Yeah. Tony's now in trouble because because the sister-in-law's on as well. So, um, so that, that means the that the, um, they're both watching us, which is, that's a bit scary. So evening, Emma. Um, hope, hope you're having fun. Uh, okay. Uh, pre-show. Let's see here. We got 20 minutes. We got to pick some. I oh, think we're, okay. I think our show notes are good, right? Show notes, show notes good. good. Um, we need to be on. Um, it came from. We need. Yeah. Oh, my mom's here too. Oh, it's, a the- it's a family oh. evening, isn't it? 
It's a it's a family evening. Hello, everybody. I was going to say, is, is this a, anybody else want to jump in? Um, it's, hey, uh, it's okay. You know, if if, uh, if your friends and family don't support you, then then who will? Exactly right. Um, so, it's, um, and I think is this the f well, this is the first time I've been on and your mum's commented. So, evening next month. Uh, hope you enjoy the show. You know, she. Uh, I'm I'm going to call my mom out here. She. I was talking with her the other day, and. Um, she goes, who's that Who's that nice man you have on the show? I really like him a lot. I go, oh, Barry, yeah. So so my mom's a fan, Barry. Woo! <laughs> Barry's number one fan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, only fan. <laughs> so. Not to co be confused with only fans. Uh, that's <laughs> yes, that's a, that, that's a different platform again. <laughs> <laughs> we could stream to only fans, I'm sure. Um, well, apparently that, that's what it was originally right, said. Before. I know. It kind of got slightly overtook. And apparently there are serious people who um who do transmit good information on OnlyFans. Uh, I just don't know what that sort of looks like. Right. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, I feel that it would be an experiment that that might not work well for us. <laughs> well, that's or why we're really, on Patreon. That's... <laughs> or really well, which might also be also part of a problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Anyway, back to where it came from. Yeah, really it came from. Uh, <laughs> have to do this. Uh, hold on. I, oh, you know what, what I forgot to do also is uh, cite our sources here. So we have... Who's our oh. source this week? Our source is... Uh, University of Bath. It's Yes. Yeah. I couldn't okay. find where my It Came From folder was and then we had to just close the entire thing. Now, so that'd be one. Oops. Yeah. All right, I'm going to say University of Bath. Um... Human factor schooling recommendations. Where should oh, I go? Oh, that to one school. again. Go to, to go, school. Go to school. Yeah. Any of them are fine. That's my blanket advice. Any of them are fine. Yeah, yeah. Just, go, just go. Go. Do it. I mean... Uh, yeah, don't not go, because that, that, then you're definitely not going to learn anything about your human factors. I mean, go go where it makes sense. Uh, get, get in with a faculty member that um, does similar work to what you want to do. That's kind of the biggest thing. Um, do you think it's important to, because in the UK it's it's very much of a you know if you're going to go to university that is your leaving home point you you get the best out of university if you leave home and you go, you know you move that's your moving away from home point. Um, but then talking with about my daughter going to university, she was looking at two universities. One was quite close, was and I was very much of the yeah you might go still quite close. It was like twenty minutes on the bus. It's basically where she goes to college already, like, but you'd still leave home you'd still be going and moving away because you need to get that experience. And quite frankly, I want your spare room to use as a study. Um, but the, um, yeah, from the, from your perspective, do you think it's, a, do you think you have to leave home in your, your piece to make that happen? Or do you think you can quite happily go and stay at home or? Well, I didn't. And here in the States, we have things called commuter colleges and um, not to be confused with community colleges. So okay. there's community colleges, which are like two years to get your associates, um, which are, largely based in communities and those a lot of folks do live at home it's it's for people who um you know yeah. just just coming out of school don't know exactly like like i guess high school here in the states i don't know if you call it like primary school um or where does your what what does your where, where does your high school leave high, high school leaves you when you're 18 years old it's oh, it's okay, uh yeah. that's our sixth form um if you stay in academia okay. that's, that's your sixth form so we have secondary which takes you up to 16 and six one that takes you to 18 and then it's university to yeah. 21 
And yeah. Then- so, so I would say uh, uh, here in the States, commu- community colleges are like stepping stones to university where, I mean, the, you can still get an education there. You can still get credit. You can still do classes that uh, get credits applied to your end goal of, um, you know, university. It's, it's kind of like an exploratory phase to like test out a couple different subjects. I mean, you could be very focused if there's just a two year degree that you want to. Then there's commuter schools, which are universities proper, but they're placed, I mean, kind of in these communities where it makes sense to more sense to commute to them than it would be to like live on campus. So I went to one of I went to both of those. I went to a community college and a commuter college um, and, and, and lived at home with mom for a while mom and dad and uh and then when i went to graduate school that's when i moved away and and got that right. um i mean i wouldn't call it the same experience <laughs> me <laughs> no, and my wife uh, girlfriend at the time we were we were just staying in a in a small um duplex and you know it, it's not like we were on campus in the dorms it was you know we had it was us two and 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 uh and that was it and so yeah 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 I never I did, well I sort of did the dorms thing we but my because I went to military university then um it was very different from seeing what um other people go through at normal university but, uh, is how it came from bot broken because mm. I don't have any it came from from the since past the fourth and that's oh like, you know it very well might be <laughs> oh yeah, that's okay. You know what? We haven't really picked. We didn't do any. It came from last week because we had one that was left over, and then we had uh, two that were from Discord. So I think yes. we're still okay, and I'll figure out the bot over the next week. Um, yeah, that's good because we got plenty in the bank. We can also just go check out the subreddits, which is, uh, you know, always an option. Um, established professionals. What has gotten you excited about UX and your job over the last quarter? Um, and we could easily apply Ooh. this to human factors. Trying to amplify, I'm trying to amplify in my interest in work right now, and I'm curious what has been getting you going. It's like a motivation question. I like this one. Do you want, you want to do this one? Yep. Sounds good to me. I've got... Uh, I just picked right. up a new, a, a new job today, which was quite interesting. Um, completely out of the blue. Um, which was... Um, I'm basically going to be sort of seconded out of my. I'm seconding myself out of my own company for um, for a. I think indefinitely at the moment um, to go and work on satellite communications. It's going to be quite a laugh. Satcom. Hmm. Oh, whiteboarding challenge! Didn't we just cover this a couple weeks ago? I feel like yes, is we that did. The- we do we do whiteboard challenge. that's where we come up with the fact that whiteboards just basically solve everything um uh, oh my god the, the, hang on i gotta read the context on this one because it's titled long-term archive of research outputs oh question, I think, question mark. Yeah. uh and it's i guess this is so i when i read this i was like scientific journals what are you talking about um there's um i kind of like this one because it's it's asking how do you store uh some of these outcomes that you may have found through user research or through um competitive research those types of things 
what tools do you use uh and and yeah i i guess um i, I like that one they're they're bringing up some names of tools here like miro uh wikis mm. that i how do you feel about this one yeah go for it i mean we use oh, we use my mirror uh, Miro just recently actually on um, on a project I'm just finishing up now and um, I'm suitably impressed with it but in terms of yeah, that long term storage piece that's uh, that's always it's yeah, challenging that's got that, it's a good one actually because it's a good one it's something I've been looking at um, from us from a, from a corporate perspective and, and how do we stop you know because we get you know you do your literature reviews on any sort of project and you know a bit of research that we're doing how do you then how do we do that? So we've, we've come up with our own internal solution, which we can um, I can also waffle on about. So talk talk with deep intellect and, and meaning. Um, At the definition of waffle. <laughs> Here in the States, we have whole houses de dedicated to waffles. That's true. There are some, I've got to admit, there are some some food options in the States that I, I'm, I'm just quite a fan of. Um, and, and you do peanut butter better than we do as well. That's that's got to be said. Um, so I, 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 I can't I can't eat as much American peanut butter as you guys have just because it, it is that bit sweeter. Sorry, I just thought of a really inappropriate joke that I won't say on air. I'll tell you. I'll I'll tell you in chat. I'll say you, you don't recall. We're not technically. We we could still get booted, I guess. But you know. But yeah, I, I guess that's what that's what that's what the uh, the eternal chat's for. <laughs> Which could still do if if the people are from restream uh, uh, listening. When you have the close option, it would be useful to have a tag on the on the chat button to show that you've got new chats that you haven't seen just now. See that that's a bit of um, reusability advice for for, for restream. There you go. Tr tr try try your private chat there. That's. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's fair comment. <laughs> All right. Uh... Uh... In fact, yeah, gotta, gotta, I do have a story about that like, one of the, one of the <laughs> first times I, I visited the States. Yeah, and then we'll pick that up some other point. We might uh, remind me next time. Okay. In the, in the pre pre show. <laughs> <sighs> oh, okay. Um, oh, did you. Looks like you've gone through and checked. Is this PM micromanagement? Um, didn't we talk about that? Let me just go back and. Oh, maybe we did. Because uh, uh, that was back up the top, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, was there any questions in Discord this week? Yeah, I think we... Yeah, no, we we talked about that. Because um, I think the, the answer was, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, was there anything? Yeah, we, we, we should be... Full. The lab should be more fired up about this. Um, and the fact that we have to go trawling for our own questions, we know. What do they do all the time? See if that, see if that rouses them up and get some comments going. Um, uh, I am. We, we could we, we could put the question in the the question I put into into the Discord chat in. Yeah, I don't think there was enough answers to really. Uh... <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Right, the week's still young. It's Thursday. It's still young. 
<laughs> it feels like it's this week has been oh, so God. long, Barry. This week, well, today's been oh, ridiculous. It's been oh man, your today was probably my yesterday. So yesterday I had a, a chiropractor appointment that I needed to move earlier in the day, so I went at like noon, and then after that I sat in a dentist chair for three hours. Um, wow. Yeah, no, and it wasn't even like so notoriously bad dental hygiene not anymore fixing that but awesome like um so i've had years of like you know build up on my teeth they had to really get in there under the gums and like pull all that stuff out it was just one side it was just one side so i still i gotta go back next week do the other side this side is super clean though And then, oh, here's here's another kicker. And then I had to come back to work later on that night because we were interviewing somebody. Uh, and so, like, half of my mouth was numb as I was asking questions. <laughs> and, um, yeah, the interview happened that late because uh, we were interviewing somebody in India. And so late right. time, our time is, like, morning, their time. So yeah. trying to accommodate that. Uh, so it was a very busy day yesterday. Um, and then uh, I... You know, uh, my wife and I over the last couple of weeks have been really looking forward to Love is Blind every Friday night. Okay. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that television program. Uh, no. It's uh, it, it basically puts, uh, what, I guess, 15 men and 15 women in one um, facility. Right. And in the middle of this facility, like they can't see each other. That's, that's yeah, the yeah. big thing. In the middle of this facility are like, uh, I guess a bunch of pods and so uh, pods meaning like just like these little seats that you can sit comfortably and talk to the other one through a wall that you can't see through but you can hear through right okay, and so the, cool. the whole concept of this show is that can you find true love uh, by talking to someone connecting on an emotional level they propose to the other person through the wall without even seeing them and then they're revealed to each oh. other and then they're put into like this this uh, kind of honeymoon, um, like almost fantasy uh, situation where they're like, you know, on a beach in Cabo and just having a great time going on all these great dates. And then they throw them into reality and say, okay, how are you guys going to move in together? How are you going to do all this stuff? Um, Okay. So so, meet the family. Hey, we just met, you know, a month ago and now we're getting married and like all this stuff. And so it's a great program. Um, And, every week they've been releasing a new episode so the first one they released five episodes so this was two weeks ago they released five episodes last week they released four and now we're on the finale which is just one episode that's tomorrow night we've been looking forward to it um which is where everybody gets married and ultimately says yes or no right because they've had all this they've had all this time and i mean they could have said no really at any point but this is like the ultimate decision you know Make a break. Yeah, like yeah. this is they, they kind of hype it up, right? They say if you are going to make a decision, make it here at the wedding, so that way we can cause drama around it, uh, <laughs> all that stuff. All your family's here, you know, get everybody involved. Um, and so it's it's wonderful. It's a wonderful program. So what's, um, that, what's the other program that you guys got? Um, is it Mar- Love at First Sight, Married at First Sight, or something? Where basically uh, they don't meet until they're actually they're, the friends or something get them together, and then they 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 meet when actually down the aisle type thing. Maybe ninety day um, fiance is that. Awesome. Whatever it is, there's something like that. They basically, you don't meet until you're at the altar, and and you're like that. Why? Why would you even put yourself in for that sort of program? But um, because yeah, this one's a little bit better, I think, because you can actually like you know get that emotional connection, and a lot of them are genuine. 
Um, mm. It's um, married at first sight. Married at first sight. Yes. Good shout. Mom put um, in mm. It's um, you, you could definitely stay hanging around because clearly you know more than we do. Um, the yeah, watching some of that sort of stuff, and then the what the other one I'm doing at the moment. Okay, um, Linda, it's the it's the one where they choose the wedding dress, um, and they go through all that drama. About, say yes to the dress. That that's the one. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that is also just a whole load of drama. You sitting there going, oh my god, all of this. Um, you know, but, uh, okay. Here here's like a. I don't know if it's not, it's it's not like a, a dirty little secret or like a hidden secret admission time. I really have a strong appreciation for the editors of these reality TV programs when they leave you with a cliffhanger. Like I've I've sat there and my wife gets annoyed at me every time because like you know there's there's a cliffhanger and I'm just like oh yes yes I love this you know and it's just like this unadulterated excitement that I just get from these cliffhangers because I really appreciate the art and craft that these people put into making you want to watch the next episode and it's just it's uh it's really exciting to me <laughs> no it is it's 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 quite um I, I I'm quite a sucker for a lot of the reality TV stuff I think it's the way that it's and certainly now it's become more of an art form hasn't it because when the when it sort of first started it was we'll just show everything and now it's it is about the build-up and some of it it's about if they can do it in a way that makes it look feel like it wasn't fake so you 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 know like that like it feels like a natural build-up not just a you know we just rinsing you for watching your next if they can get that bit of craft right then 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 you run full yeah so so there's stuff that actually happens right and that Mm -hmm. stuff is interesting and and the you know, obviously the producers will put these people in situations that cause drama a lot of times. And but, you know, even with that said, you still don't know what the outcome is going to be a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the appreciation comes for the people who can really turn those stories into something that are fun and entertaining to watch. And just I I am I'm not exaggerating. Good. Right. Like stand up. And I like, yes. Oh, that was so good. So good. <laughs> and my wife's just annoyed because. She's like, yeah, but we got to wait a, a week to watch the rest of it. And I'm like, yes, yeah. that's exactly the point. That's a, they, they knew. They knew. That was Talk about it and everything. But, um, <laughs> but just just actually just um, we just had another comment from from Abigail. So Abby's my my niece. So I've got the entire family joining. Us you tonight. got the entire family joining. They're, they're, all, they're all coming in. So um, evening, Abby. Hope, hope you're well. Great to see you. Oh, we still need one more. It came from, right? I, th- I, th- I think we should just sack the whole lot off and just make this now a, um, a um, um, reality TV show. A reality TV po- uh, podcast and um, and make that work. But the... All right, done. Uh, let's <laughs> the notes. Uh... Just delete it. and we, So we'll, pick, we'll just pick shows from the off and, and just where we go. No, we need... So we've got them to... Let's pick one be from the bank. Because we have got people, to yeah. one in the bank. Uh... Um, Actually, that that one around. So the top of page twelve, the the sign up ultra prominent, but signing gets buried. When you say when you say twelve, page twelve, I'm like, oh shoot, we have nineteen pages of show notes. <laughs> I don't think people realize how detailed these show notes can be. I, I, um, it actually changes <laughs> occasionally. Yeah. What? Uh, sorry. Which one? Uh, so sign up. Um, 
Topic. So why sign up ultra prominent nowadays, but signing gets buried? Um, oh, I don't actually know the answer to that. Um, but because on the scheduler that you that you've set up for uh, people, people coming in, that's got exactly that same problem. Um, but also, I I think yeah, the, we the, can, let's let's talk about it. We can offer our uh, our expert opinions. Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't realize I've got to have an expert opinion. I can, I've got oh. an opinion. <laughs> All right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go anywhere near expert. Hey, you do human factors in your everyday, right? That's true. Yeah. You expert. Um, okay. There we go. All right. Uh, cool. So uh, let me just write a couple notes here, and um, I think we can thank you for fixing that. I appreciate that. Yeah, we can get the show on the road. About what are we talking about today? We're talking about. Uh, what can you Organizing it all because I, I, I kind of want each the new sections to start on a new page, but that's only because that's where I have my documents. Um, it's it's no, no, not much use as a, as a show note piece. Are you saying we should make new sections on the next page? I, I don't think we have to, but I, but it might I, you might come in one time and I might have already done it because oh. what I do. <laughs> I'll leave that as a surprise for you. I don't, I don't care. Uh, as long as I can see, because there's, uh, like, I don't like scrolling a whole lot. I like to make sure that, you know, the stuff is readily available for when I need it. And that, yeah, no, that's uh, that's kind of why I haven't done it, because it is actually easy just to scroll down. In fact, for things like this, for not to have pages at all, and just to have a, a long scroll, but then that's not really why it's made, is it? We should ask like Google to redo their entire um, app just to sort, just to just for us. Okay, I think I have a rough outline. I just got to make sure I say this right. What gets you excited about UX? Gets us excited and motivated. <sighs> and it's it's half past, so we should be going. At- Ooh. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Are are you ready to go? Is everybody I'm watching ready to go? Born ready. Okay. Uh, we are going to go live, which means when we come back, we're going to do the show, and it's uh it's going to be a great show for you. And we'll be back right after uh this thing right here. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Human Factors Cast. This is episode 236. We're recording this live on February 24th, 2022. I'm your host, Nick Rome, joined today by Mr. Barry Kirby. Hey, Nick. It's great to hear you. Oh, thanks, Barry. Really, really appreciate that one. Uh, we got we got a great show for you tonight, barring no technical issues. We'll be talking about what the term mental health really means and its impact on human factors. And later, we're going to answer some questions from the community about what gets us excited and motivated about human factors, UX, your job in general, how to store research at your work, and our opinions on sign up versus sign in. But first, here's a programming note for you all. 
Uh, we are going to have some upcoming coverage of the Human Factors Healthcare Symposium. This is something that we've done over the last couple of years. Uh, currently, we're finalizing some plans with leadership to bring you a preview of what to expect. We're going to do that sometime soon. But I do want to mention that we have asked in our Discord chat uh, if there's anything specific that you all want to hear about. Uh, let us know there. And that kind of goes for conference coverage in general. If there's any sort of things that you find most valuable about when we go out to conferences and come back, whether it's the interviews, whether it's talking about specific presentations that we went to, whether it's uh, hearing about the program and what the experience was like, we want to hear about that because we want to produce content that's relevant to you and that you'll get something out of. Anyway, I think that's all I have for notes. So why don't we go ahead and get into the news? That's why you're here. Yes, it's Human Factors News. Uh, I don't need to do this. You've been here. If you've been here, you know what this is. Barry, what is the news story this week? So the oh, the standards are just slacking now. Um, the story this week is researchers call for greater clarity over what constitutes a mental health problem. So a new review of the theoretical models used around the world to assess, diagnose, research and treat mental health problems has highlighted the vast array of approaches which exist. So by examining over 100 publications, which refer to mental health or mental illness in some way, the researchers have identified 34 different theoretical models used by practitioners, researchers and users of mental health services to understand the nature of mental health problems. Importantly, they found that there was no criteria which could be used to prioritise why one model might be used over another. This really matters, they say, because how mental health problems are understood has lasting ramifications for how people with mental health problems are assessed and supported. In view of the wide range of models that are used by practitioners, the researchers are now calling for greater clarity over how different and potentially uh, contrasting mental health models can be used in practice. They argue that this debate needs greater input from non-medical professionals and service users. So, Nick, we've talked about mental health issues a number of times over the past few episodes. What are the, your thoughts on this greater call for engagement from the wider community? Yeah, this one's tricky. Uh, obviously, obviously, mental health has been on my mind lately. Um, and I'm really glad that we found a topic to kind of channel some of this discussion. I think a couple of weeks ago, Frank, uh, who's a previous guest on the show, mentioned in Discord that this would be an awesome topic to talk about. And um, he said that after hearing about my experience uh, with ADHD. And I'm just glad we found a story that goes well. Uh, in terms of my thoughts on how we define mental health and what they're um, mentioning here, I absolutely think this is true. I think when you think about mental health or when the common person thinks about mental health, they think about issues or or um, sort of non-neurotypical uh, thoughts, behaviors, actions, all these things. And so when we define mental health, we need to make sure that that is kind of treated equivalent to our, our physical health, right? When you right. think about being in uh, a good physical shape, meaning, you know, you don't get winded uh, doing basic activities like myself, um, <laughs> or, or uh, basically that you are exercising the your body and and that is physical health and, and mental health. We need to think about exercising our mind and making sure that we are in a good place psychologically. Um, I've gone on quite a bit about my initial general impressions of the article. Barry, what are you thinking about this? I think it's it's really insightful because I think it's, it's a really long overdue review. Um, the whole mental health piece is still 
we 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 treat it like we we know everything about it, right? Um, that that all we do, need to do is you know you go and do some exercise or you throw some drugs at it and stuff like that, and we kind of have this perception that it's um it's well and so. But actually, this highlights that we're still very much feeling our way around it. We still don't truly know. We're kind of dealing with the symptoms rather than the causes because it's still a um a lot of work to be done, and that combined with the stigma around mental health there is still a huge amount of stigma around mental health and i like to think that it is that it's born out of ignorance rather than malice um that the that a lot of the the stigma, stigma is there just because we don't truly understand what's going on but the idea that this um that this review gives us the or has highlighted the fact that we don't have um a decent structure to be able to um assess which are the right models to be applying um to, to different causes different ideas I think it is, is really good. So it feels like a starting point. Um, it feels like there's still a lot of work to be done. And I think it's probably worth diving into some of those issue, issues around mental health, their understanding. So I was wondering if you could give us a bit of a any sort of insights. Yeah, I do want to kind of preface our discussion today. I know a lot of people are probably listening and saying, well, what does mental health really have to do with human factors? We're going to jump into that. But really, I want to kind of understand the foundation of mental health and um, I'm not going to read this verbatim, but I'm going to jump around a little bit. This is from mentalhealth.gov, which is, uh, I, I would imagine, you know, a government funded uh, effort to understand mental health. And so I think when we kind of think of our traditional understanding of mental health, this is kind of what they're saying, right? It includes our emotional, psychological, social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, act. Uh, it also helps determine how we just how we handle stress, relate to others and make choices. Um, and this is a really important thing at every stage of life, from childhood and adolescence all the way through adulthood. And, uh, you know, they go on to say, over the course of your life, if you experience mental health problems, um, basically your thinking, your mood or behavior could be affected because of what's going on in your head. Uh, and there's a lot of different things that go into mental health, right? So like biological factors, genes, brain chemistry, those types of things, life experiences, trauma is a big one. Uh, abuse is another big one or family history with with mental health issues or I shouldn't say issues. I shouldn't say issues. Mental health uh, problems is what they say here. Um, so obviously, you know, one big caveat to all this help is available. Uh, there are resources available and um, we'll link some of those in our on the description of the show notes here. Uh, but, you know, I, I beyond sort of the textbook definition of mental health, I do want to kind of mention that. Um, some some interesting stats here. All of us, everyone on this planet has mental health. Uh, and that's something to remember. Uh, we we all have this mental health. And when you think about everybody on the planet, approximately 25% of us will experience some difficulty with mental health. And, you know, for like getting into my personal story, I didn't realize that something was wrong until I started reading other people's experiences around, um, for me, it's ADHD. And I didn't understand that thinking in certain patterns or hyper-focusing on something or, um, sort of rationing out in my brain, these certain things weren't neurotypical. Um, and it was very surprising to me. And I mean, statistics like this kind of go to show it. I didn't know I was one of those four. Um, and so I don't know. I, there, there's help available. We'll link that. But um, 
anything to add to the understanding of what mental health is before we kind of get into the human factor side of this whole topic? No, I think actually it's almost just to reinforce that last last piece of what you said is that um, mental health and mental health problems are, are clearly they're they're related, but just having um an appreciation of your mental health everybody needs to do it in the same way that we you know we think about fitness or maybe i should think about that fitness thing a bit more um and you know eating healthily again i need to do more of that we need to think about um we need to think more about our mental health and and, and that type of thing just because we th we what i quite like is the fact that now the the term mental health is so common in our vocabulary and actually younger generations as well are mo much more aware of mental health and and the fact that you need to be aware of it um is a really really good thing and i would just strongly encourage everybody to be um just willing to talk about it um because it's like you said it's something that we want to hide um because as you quite rightly say everybody has mental health and we need to keep we need to keep that healthy and and, and be self-aware. Um, as you as as you said, there's um, there's issues that I've not realised have been going on until you until you reflect somebody else's position, um, and it can be quite a scary thing to try and talk about and admit admit such things. But I think these things are getting easier. Anyway, should we dive into some of the um, how mental health affects human factors? Yes, let's do it. Do you want to do you want to just kind of give us a brief state of of mental health and human factors, and then we can kind of d dive into some specific examples? Yeah, there's some. So to look at the gene generic bit, there's uh, there's many applications for applying human factors to mental health care, um, but there's actually not a lot on how mental health impacts our ability to do things, um, how to use things, perform our jobs, uh, monitor systems. Um, there is a, a decent resource at humanfactors101.com um, where they talk about um, uh, me mental well-being in the workplace, particularly through COVID-19. But it's worth highlighting some of the the obligations, particularly for an employer, um, what you've got to be aware of. So employers do have a responsibility to ensure the mental well-being of their staff. And, and actually, that's quite a, a sensible thing, isn't it? Because give, certainly given a lot of what we're doing, you'd think that it would be a, a number one priority. Um, in many countries, employers have a legal duty to ensure the health and safety of workers. So here in the UK, we have the Health and Safety at Work Act um, that requires employers to secure the health, including mental health, safety and welfare and employees at, whilst at work. Um, and amongst other things, basically provide a safe place of work, ensure you've got safe systems of work and provide information and training. And interestingly, we've just done our annual training on on, on this type of thing, which is, which is quite good. Um, in Australia, organisations have obligations to do what is reasonably practicable uh, to eliminate or minimise work-related uh, risks to health and safety. This would include any psychological risks created by COVID-19. So, but it is worth noting that all the laws only set a minimum standard. Um, you, the, the, and there's nothing to stop you going um, above and beyond these by setting um, greater improvements across a whole range of measures if you want to take uh, additional actions. But a recent study by the World Health Organisation estimated the depression and anxiety disorders cost the global economy over a trillion dollars each year in lost productivity. So there's clear business benefits to be able to manage mental well-being, uh, alongside, and that's aside from the, the moral and legal issues. So, the, I mean, fundamentally, the, the drive, the, there is a drive on employers to, make, to not only look at the physical safety of what you're doing, but the, but the mental health um, application as well. Which yeah, it would be easy to do, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, I want to jump in here. So from thank you for covering the UK side of the house. I want to mention the US side of the house for a second. Um, there, So we have something similar. We have Occupational Safety and Health Administration. That's OSHA. Um, and they have a bunch of standards for workplace. And when you think about mental health, that's uh, maybe... I don't, I don't want to call it a gap. It's not a gap in OSHA. They have it covered in several standards. I'm looking at one right now, 1904.5, which is specifically looking at determination of work-relatedness. And so um, if you want to go look it up and read it for yourself, you can. But I'm just going to kind of briefly mention here that when they mention mental health in this capacity, they're, they're basically asking if there's a situation um, where an injury or illness occurs in the workplace um, that is sort of uh, work related, right? So is is it related? Is it covered under one of these things? Um, if the illness is a mental illness, uh, it's not considered work related unless the employee voluntarily provides the employer uh, with an opinion from a physician or other licensed therapist or professional who can um, basically vouch that the mental illness is work related. And so when you think about it from the US side, we don't really have that same kind of protection in place, which is uh, yeah, not great. How, how do you define the difference? And I know we, we sort of get into discussion to a certain extent, but how do you really define the difference between whether something is a, a mental health issue is work related or not? Because it's so, you know, from a mental perspective, how it's no, you can't compartmentalize between <laughs> life and home life in that way, can you? Um, Look, I mean, if you get a, if you get a therapist to sign off on it, then you're good. But the the oh, issue yeah. is that there's no obligation, there's no standard that yeah. is is meant for mental health that says an employer has an obligation to protect the mental health of their employees. So that's just a picture from the U.S. side of things. I just wanted to mention that in relation to your previous points there. I do want to jump into kind of well-being at work in general. Um, and so, you know, a lot of these, you mentioned it, right? There, there's little separation between uh, work-life balance in some cases, and how do you really pick apart which one's which? There's a lot of aspects of work that kind of contribute to some of these mental health issues. Um, and, you know, as we saw with the pandemic over the last couple of years, this has really kind of flared up a lot of it. Um, you know, th there's additional impacts uh, on people in the workplace. Now they're, you know, people are working from home. There's different family uh, dynamics that are happening now between um, people who maybe, you know, weren't at home before and are at home now. And there's children in the picture and it's it's a whole mess. But I again, I want to kind of get away from the COVID situation because there's a lot of application here outside uh, in like a typical um, working environment as well. And uh, just I there's a whole laundry list here of ways in which um, the working environment can support well-being um, or lead to mental health issues. And I want to mention a couple of these just right off the top, just to kind of go through this list almost. And and um, maybe we can pick apart some of our favorites, but I'm going to read off just a couple here. So there's a, a lack of clarity about roles and responsibilities can contribute to mental health issues, uh, changes to those roles, routines, pr procedures. Uh, or expectations set on employees, longer working hours, extra shifts, overtime, changes to work location, so like working from home, um, being not able to take uh, annual leave. That's also a contributing factor here. Increased workload, work pressures, obviously those types of things. 
Um, taking on additional duties, responsibilities with insufficient training. Increased threat of workplace discrimination, aggression, or violence from customers, clients, or patients. Um, fear in the workplace. They, they talk about this in, in relation to COVID-19, but I imagine this applies to other things about sexual identity, uh, gender, um, all those types of things as well. Concerns about exposure to COVID-19 um, while on public transport. I argue that that's you know, outside of the workplace, but still relevant because you need public transport to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, more COVID-19 specific stuff. Uncertainty about your employment. Um, so that's a, that's another big one. Financial worries uh, due to unstable or reduced employment. Extended absence due to furlough. Rapid decision making uh, that is required of the employees. Logistical issues. Obtaining materials. Making difficult choices in healthcare settings. Wow, that's a heavy hitting one. Uh, we got the healthcare symposium coming up, y'all, if you want to hear about some of those. Uh, serious illness or death of work colleagues and witnessing the serious illness of, or death of patients in the healthcare sector. So, wow, that is a huge list. Um, there's there's other factors, too. We'll get into those in a minute. Barry, I, I want to talk to you really quick. Are there a couple in this list that you want to focus on a little bit and talk through? Yeah, I mean, the for me, the two that hit is the working longer hours. And that really work, links in with this working from home um, around COVID. And so we, we're going to have the the new normal, whatever this, the new hybrid working looks like. And I think that's going to be going for a while. And and there's a bunch of things around the whole working from home piece that, um, that a lot of people are saying, oh, you should get back to the office, this, that, and the other. But in some respects, I kind of, there's a level of me agreeing with that because people tend to overwork when they're at home. So if they're if they're at home, particularly if their home setup is maybe on the dining room table or it's in the at the end of the living room, it's a desk in, in the same room as where that where you socialize. Um, people end up generally working um, longer hours than what you would do in the office because the office you can put the computer down, you leave, and you go. Uh, whereas if with the whole working from home, we've, people have found that you're going to be working longer hours. So um, I think that whole change into the work location mixed with the longer hours actually is is something that you can see how that would burn people out and, and make that go longer. So I think that is something we should particularly be aware of. I've got a bit of a, a bandwagon thing at the moment about whatever this new normal looks like, um, we need to work out about how to ensure people's safety at home, um, not just physical safety, but that um, our um, mental health safety. Um around that just around the the bits that you work because i think it's it's easy to guilt people into into working longer is there anything in there that that particularly uh tickled your fancy yeah there's a couple um it's 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 hard reading through this list and not trying to identify with some of them because at <laughs> some point i've identified with a lot of these you know barring some of the the more uh serious ones in like a healthcare setting um but you know i i think certainly a lot of us have experienced um some sort of lack of clarity around roles and responsibilities, especially as human factors practitioners. I think a lot of times it's our job to kind of come up with who's doing what and how that whole process happens. Um, And so, you know, that comes with the job, but it's also kind of, uh, I guess, unsettling to not know (laughs) something set in stone. Um, you know, another one that's interesting to me and, and relevant to me is is uh, uncertainty about employment. Like I have 
in my head, uh, you know, I, I have a network of connections. I've, I'm not afraid of finding another job. But, you know, when you work on contract work, it's it's sort of this um, this really intense pressure on you to not only finish up the project that you're working on, but to find another job in that same time frame. Yeah. So that way you have continued work afterwards. And I know that has burned out a lot of colleagues of mine, um, that uncertainty about employment with uh, continuing on uh, through contract work. And that's that's kind of another one that I wanted to bring up. And I'm bringing these up through the lens of human factors professionals. Um, you can kind of look at this list and think of a lot of different things that can really impact your ability to work and your mental health. And that's kind of what we're talking about here, right? All these are human factors issues. All these can yeah. be solved with with human factors applications, right? Well, Absolutely. most of them anyway. Um, let's Let's talk about other impacts that kind of contribute to mental health but maybe outside the workplace, but could still impact your your um, your performance at work. So in the case of the pandemic, right, we all have social isolation from family, from friends, uh, sort of an increase in domestic violence. That is something that we saw numbers spike uh, early, early days of the pandemic because everyone was not used to being in the same space. Um, it's really sad. You also have sort of uh, pressures for caring for independence, sick relatives, those types of things, um, childcare, homeschooling, uh, and employment. All these things are kind of competing interests uh, for time and energy. You have uh, illness or bereavement for family and friends, uh, and and this is especially true during the pandemic as well. And um, you know, kind of uh, just a just a general note to kind of top off this whole section here. Um, Basically, when when you have poor mental well-being or poor mental health or whatever you're attributing, uh, whatever you're calling it, um, there, your ability to perform some of these some of these everyday duties is compromised. Um, you know, a, a lot of these are influencing um, your your human performance. Right? If you think about human factors terms, it's weakening your human performance in the workplace and in your personal life as well. And so if you address some of these factors, any of these factors, really, it's going to improve that reliability of the human to do their job um, and really just function properly. Right. If you think about a human functioning, uh, to the, the ability to function properly is probably what we're talking about most here. Um, and, and this if you think about sort of jobs with high risk uh, or high safety critical incidents like, mm. I don't know pilot or a doctor or, you know, TSA or something where, you know, it really is mission critical that you are on on in 100 percent good health um, or firefighter. You know, any one of these yeah, yeah, first responders, yeah. there could be a, a variety of different professions in which, um, you know, these contributing factors are really going to make or break uh, even saving a life. And so we got to think about all these things holistically. Um, all these different issues that impact mental health and then also how mental health impacts our performance on the job. Okay. I've talked a lot, Barry, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of clean up if there's anything in this section before we like kind of move on to uh, actually discussing the article itself. Yeah. I think this um, really does highlight really there is a, um, a strong responsibility as uh, an employer and colleagues actually to look out for each other. But the, 
we should be driving um, in the same way as we do from a physical aspect. We encourage the the, the right setup of the desk. We do uh, um, DSE assessments, all that all that type of stuff from a health and safety perspective, and we physically ensure that our employees and and our staff and our colleagues physically are set up to do this properly, we should also be doing this from a mental health perspective. And we as human factors practitioners are in a, an ideal position to to push that through. Um, and really the, the, the argument to the employer um, should be quite easy because as you quite rightly just said, if, if we are, um, if we're suffering from, um, you know, not necessarily mental health, uh, you know, mental health problems as such in, in the, the full-on form, but even just that um, poor mental health well-being, our performance is, isn't on top. So therefore, we're not being as productive as we could be in the workplace. Um, so th- there is a, a value for money thing there for employers to ensure that everyone's in um, tip-top mental health form because you'll be more productive. So, you know, that argument sits. So I think there is... We as, as human factors practitioners probably have a bit of a job to do in in flying this banner a bit more than possibly we have been doing to date. That is a huge understatement. So I'm we're cutting content for time, but if you're sticking around on our live version or if you're listening to this later, our patrons get the full audio version. Um, if you're listening to this later, listen to the post show or go go find us our post show on, on any of our video platforms. Uh, we're going to be talking about things like risk assessment, uh, communication, consultation, work design, mental well-being, resources, um, all that stuff as it relates to human factors issues on this story. We just got to cut a little bit for time, but I do want to have make sure we do have some time to talk about the article itself. Um, so getting back to this main issue of like, how, how do we categorize mental illness or how do we define it? And sort of also, how do we sort of standardize these models, right? Um, you know, for, for a lot of us in terms of uh, our, our knowledge from a psych background, right? We know of the DSM and that's kind of like, I don't want to say the Bible, but it is a a reliable source for some of these um, maybe more uh, abnormal. I don't even want to say abnormal. It's just it's a less typical Mm -hmm. um, neurodivergent mental health patterns. And so there's that. But I think what this article is saying is that we need to go beyond that. We need to look at some of these models um, themselves and and talk about what are mental health problems what counts as a mental illness um you know what what kind of impacts do these have within healthcare those types of things uh Barry are there any sort of cherry picked talking points that you want to bring out uh from this article itself so i think there is there's the one element that you just touched on there is being very almost careful in our language or allowing us to define that language a bit better around what is just what is what are things around just mental health about allowing us to be um, more reflective on on mental health and what help you know what helps and detracts gives us better or worse mental health in of itself in the same way that you know going going for a run will make you a bit bit fitter and all that sort of stuff so just general how how do we affect that and then get get into the difference between right well what's a problem what's an illness um, and really being able to define that in the same way as we would physically but. What I thought was interesting around the article was the was a bit at the end is the, the fact that we have a broad range of perspectives around um, who does this. And what the um, researchers are suggesting is that rather than just you rather than just engaging with um, doctors and uh, 
and specialists, which were bringing in um, opinions from those people who were, I'll say, so from the people who use the services. And, and what they highlight is that could be um, um, a real issue for for them in the long term, but actually might be a way to go in the um, in the short term. What about you, Nick? Is there is there anything there that that uh, strikes you that we we should be um, highlighting before we uh, finish this bit? Yeah, I do want to kind of follow up on that point, right? Of of uh, not necessarily counting on specialists and and researchers, but asking um, service users which which model they feel to be most appropriate for them, right? And I think kind of it's almost like democratization of models. Um, and I think that's really helpful, right? You think about these models as like tools in a toolkit, not necessarily the end-all be-all. And when you kind of take that approach, people can sort of think about mental health in the way that's best suited to them. And, um, you know, the, the one thing that this might have consequentially is, is um, you, you might think that the non-medical models might become a little bit more important <laughs> or quote unquote important than um, the, than some of these clinicians would be willing to accept mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, it is, it is kind of based on the subjective um, experience of, of the person. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's also, there's all sorts of models, right? There's biological, psycho, psychological, social models. Um, and if, if you think about these models kind of fracturing, Right. The researchers are showing that this this these types of models are fracturing into different um, different sub models, if you will. And they're thinking about this this field being dominated by psychiatry, psychology. Um, you really need to bring in the perspectives of the people who are actually experiencing these issues and other professionals in 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 other settings like nurses or uh, social workers who experience this on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and, and you need to have them be heard uh, to kind of incorporate their feedback into this um, larger discussion about what constitutes mental health. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's really all I had about the article. Barry, any, any other closing thoughts? No, not in particular. I think it's, um, it's a really good, I think starting point. I like the idea in in this particular element that we are, you know, we spent a long time developing um, approaches and different bits. Now feels like an appropriate time to go back to basics, almost restructure, look at refresh of what we're doing, to, and to see whether we can we now know more and can apply things better. So I look forward to hopefully at some point, maybe you know, six months time or something, um, being able to maybe revisit this and seeing where we've got to with it. It, it feels like an exciting time. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do want to just pose the question to you in Barry's words. How would you define mental health? Oh, oh dear. <laughs> Put you on the spot. Um, I, 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 clever Barry wouldn't. Um, but no, <laughs> for me, it's the whole, um, it's everything that we, we do. Is, it's what defines us, actually, as people. Um, because everything that go, it, it's about us. Um, feeling at comfortable with ourselves and, and what we do on a day-to-day -day basis because if you're feeling um comfortable with being and free enough to express yourself do what, what it is that you want to do um work in the way that you want to work and just generally exist in a way that um is 
it doesn't necessarily have to be you know exciting to you all the time or but just content um i think that that puts that means everything is sort of in equilibrium in some way um and so it's it's but it's still that it's it's still a big unknown for me i i there's loads of different definitions and i'm going to bow out at this point Damn, Barry, you stole my answer. No, I think, <laughs> look, I, I think ultimately, if you think about mental health, to me, you're you kind of hit it with that equilibrium comment. You know, there, you're going to experience a wide range of um, either ailments or or sort of phases where there's little to no um, issues or problems that you experience. And I think to me, um, what mental what healthy mental health is is somewhere right in the middle where you don't let one strong feeling on either side of that gamut really pull you in the direction so hard that everything else in your life is is kind of impacted by it um that is the simplest way i can put it i'm not an expert barry's and experts but not in in mental health (laughs) we're not (laughs) mental health experts let's put it that way um and so with that, you know, I think we kind of handled this delicately. There's a larger conversation to be had. I'm excited because we got to talk about it in the human factors lens. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, let's let's move on. I just want to thank our patrons this week uh, for selecting this topic. We've been looking for a mental health topic for a while. And thank you to our friends over at University of Bath for our news story this week. If you follow if you want to follow along, we do post the links to all the original articles on the weekly roundups that we put on our blog. You can also join us in our discord for more discussion on these stories. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to see what's going on in the human factors community right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener-supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Yes, huge thank you as always to our patrons, especially want to thank our honorary Human Factors cast staff patrons, Michelle Tripp. Uh, you know, I, I do want to mention, we always talk about Patreon, um, and and I want to mention another resource for you all. I think uh, one thing that kind of goes often undiscovered is our website. We have a an awesome website with a bunch of functionality built in for you all. Uh, you can um, do all sorts of fun stuff over there. So uh, some of the things that are kind of standard for most podcast websites, you got detailed show notes, including links to any guests that were on this week. Um, some embedded YouTube videos that kind of link up with the episodes. So you can see how handsome Mr. Barry is. And, uh, you know, um, we also got other things on there, uh, aside from the podcasting stuff that we do, all the stuff that comes out of the digital media lab, that's what we put on our website. So we have, uh, news roundups weekly roundups, monthly roundups. And this is a good opportunity to check in with some of the other stories that we may not cover on the show. You know, we used to do three stories, I think in one week on the show, which actually was kind of insane now that I think about it. Cause it was no 
<laughs> there's no way you could cover those in depth. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, now that we're doing one story a week, I think it's, it's much, much better. Um, there's, let's see here. Uh, like I said, additional information on our guests. There's deep dives onto different topics that we have. And um, there's ways to submit your own stories on our website. So if you come across something that's human factors related, you want us to talk about it, you want us to know about it. There's a way for you to submit it there. Uh, you can go in, search all the episodes uh, for content. If you want to learn more about mental health, um, you can go to our website and search it. <laughs> uh, we have conference recaps on there. I'm going on, right? It's just, if it's been a minute since you've checked out our website, or if you don't know that we even have a website, go check it out. It's humanfactorscast.media. It's a .media website. It's not .com, uh, but humanfactorscast.media. Again, we'll put the link in the show notes. But again, a, a really valuable resource. Just wanted to make sure that the community knows about it. Speaking of the community, we're going <laughs> to we're, we're gonna get into this next part of the show we like to call... It came from... It came from... Ah, yes, it came from... This is the part of the show where we search all over the internet, or we've already searched. It's not like we're actively searching in this part of the show. We've already searched. We got it for you. Uh, and and this is where we find uh, topics that the community is talking about. If you find any of these useful, uh, be sure to give us a like to help other people find this content. Okay, we got three up this week. First one is a question uh, for established professionals. Uh, what has gotten you excited about UX and your job in the last quarter? This is from Hither and Yan on the user experience subreddit. We're going to apply this to human factors as well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, as as the subject says, I'm just trying to amplify my my interest in work right now, and I'm curious what's been getting you going. So, Barry, how do you stay motivated at work, uh, and how do you stay motivated in human factors and with your job in general? So the well, the human factors bit is easy, I think, because everything that we do, because you, you can apply what we do to pretty much anything. Then a lot of the a lot of the fun bit around human factors is is getting the nitty-gritty of right what are human issues around be this anything to do with like say an unmanned system or all the way through to a um a uh, a piece of uh, equipment in your kitchen there is a, there's generally that that bit but around the job itself um in the it, i keep myself motivated by a not having my project being too long um and about having more than one thing on the go at any one time and so Generally, as much as I love all of my projects and they're all like small children to me and, and I care for them dearly, some of them can get a bit annoying. Um, and that, that, that happens with any sort of long project. And a long project for me is maybe, uh, typically said, maybe any, 18 months to two years. And so if I've got something going like that, I generally like to have something else to, um, at least one other to, to put into the mix. And that means that when you're getting maybe a bit um, a bit tired of, of one project, rather than having to, keep slogging on with it you can take a break by going to do something else and and keep mixing it up and i think that's generally what you've got to do is is mix up what you do the our field allows us to basically take on a broad variety of jobs that um that that just keeps everything fresh and you'll find a new problem a new a new issue and ways of applying what you do generally into a new domain so yeah, I think that's what that is one of the massive selling factors about human factors and UX is the fact that we are 
so broadly applicable that if you get bored or you get frustrated or whatever happens in one domain or job or something else, you can then go on and, and do the same thing somewhere else quite easily. What about you, Nick? What, what gets you excited about your job? That's a great question. And and I want to comment on one of your points there about um, our work in general is working on a bunch of different things. And you're right, uh, except in the case where you are working for a company and it's one product. There's still variety within the product, but you're still working on the same thing. And I think that is a little harder to um, maintain sort of this excitement and motivation to keep going. Uh, and And really, you do have to take the approach that you're talking about here is find new things that get you excited about it. And, um, you know, that really hasn't been an issue for me, but I know some um, the excitement about the product is not the issue. I think the motivation uh, is within human factors is, is maybe a bigger issue. And I think, you know, for (laughs) it's easy for us. We have a podcast every week that we discuss human factors. It gives me that outlet um, Mm. to discuss topics that maybe I'm not working on and still gives me kind of that, that excitement of, of, uh, connecting over another topic that, so I still get my fix. Right. Um, so I guess my advice would be like, talk to other people, um, who maybe aren't working on the same thing that you're working on. And if you hear about the way that they talk about it, then you might get excited about that topic again, right? So like, I don't know, you're working on a product. Let's just, <laughs> I don't know, you press you press a button, it does something. <laughs> it's very simple, right? But what if that something is, is so beneficial to that person's job? I'm describing a user here, by the way. Um, so beneficial to that person's job that they would love to have that button. They just want that button. Um, well, then your motivation should be to make that button the best button it could be in the right place. So that way that person can do their job. Bad analogy. Probably. I don't know. I, I, I get motivated talking to the people who actually use the product. That's my point. I get, I get motivated by talking to users to um, you know, the, the work that we're doing actually matters. I think that is, is the part that really just gets me to get up in the morning. All right. Uh, let's get into this next one here. This one's titled Long-Term Archive of Research Outputs. This is by Fox91, again, on the user experience subreddit here. Uh, They're wondering what other teams use to store their past research efforts, Uh, whether this is customer research, um, competitive analysis, or something like that. They have a wiki at their company, which works, but it's not really conducive to holding all the artifacts and such. However, it is nice because with the wiki search, Uh, It makes it at least able to find an older test or a project. They use Miro, which is another tool uh, for some of their work, but they're finding that older, uh, other than titles, you can't really search within the boards. So work gets lost over time. Barry, um, storage of work and artifacts is incredibly important uh, because there might be something that you've worked on in the past that you need to go and look at. What are your thoughts on storage of documents and information at work? So you're absolutely right. It is important because it's the the potential. It's not necessarily you're going to lose stuff, but you gain you you don't gain the advantage you could get by uh, being able to quickly call up the stuff that you've done before and be able to reuse previous stuff. And you might be just crying out for stuff, and you've actually already got it within you know you've already got it within your ecosystem somewhere. So we've had this problem uh, within my company. Um, in fact, quite recently, it's something I've actually been trying to solve over 
wow, about 10 years now about, um, about the thing. I've, I've almost come to a perfect solution for, for us. Um, we've also highlighted a couple of tools there already. Um, I use, uh, we use SharePoint, uh, the, the, the Microsoft tool. And really what we've done, and you could do this with, it doesn't have to be SharePoint, I don't think. It could be, um, you could do it in Google, uh, Google Drive and, and things like that as well. But we've set up the way that we've, um, we deal with projects in a slight, not, a, not in a closely regimented format, but in a way that we can um, pick up a project show that it's live but when it then dies down and, and finishes that we can archive that project in in such a way that nothing truly disappears we do a cleanup job on the project now because it's within our process so you get rid of all of the you know the nif naf and trivia the, the the various document evolutions that you've had so you you know the stuff that you're definitely not going to use but we still keep all the project artifacts and all the deliverables that we have we actually extract into a into a into a into a, a repository a different repository within that uh within that share, same site so that allows us to use the global um search search function which will then you know dive into not only um the different document names or the titles but actually search within the documents themselves which has just proven now really really powerful um, and actually, it was this week that I was then searching for something, um, um, some research. Or it was a topic around um, around simulation, and we actually did some simulation work about eight years ago that I'd completely forgotten about. And, um, and because we'd done this reorganization, I was able to search for it, and it popped up. And I was like, oh, yeah. And this works on two levels. One is not only the work that you've done, so the final reports you produced, the artifacts you produced, but if you're doing some sort of literature review, you might have reviewed literature already that you've kind of just forgotten about uh, because it was 10 years ago. But it, you keep that literature in a repository and, and be able to be able to pull that out as well. So, yeah, for me, that the, the, the new the newer cloud technologies is, is are working really really well. Like I said, we use now we now use SharePoint in the way that it, it flows and it re I think it's certain it, the evolution just in the past 12 months has been quite phenomenal um so yeah I, I that, that's my solution and I'm very evangelical about it because it, it now works for me which it hasn't done in the past what about you Nick what, what do you what, what do you use for your long-term archive this it came from brought to you by SharePoint um so <laughs> I've used a variety of different things in the past. I've used wikis. I've used shared drives uh, where stuff gets lost in folders and it's really inefficient. I've used wikis where people don't check the pages and it's really inefficient. I've used SharePoint where people don't know where to store things or where things are stored and it's really inefficient. The thing that I think I, I want you to take away from this is and not necessarily the tool or the way in which you store the information. It's who's using it. Are they trained to use it? And can you find stuff on it? Um, there, there's probably an optimal way. I think Barry's way is probably fine and probably works best for their company. But like for me, what I've found success with is, is when you have everybody using something like a wiki, you can store things on a wiki. Um, you can link to other repositories and have information on there, an archive, if you will, of, of past projects that have worked well, you can also implement a tagging system. If you know something was like a results uh, or, or an outcomes brief, you can tag it outcomes or results or keep it consistent, but whatever it is, you can tag it and then search across all of your stuff 
and say, okay, well, here's, here's results from this project. Or, you know, if you, if you have a pro a certain project that you're doing for a certain contract, get a hashtag for that contract, HFC 2022, human factors cast 2022. Right. And that way you can see all the things that were associated with that project. Um, and be consistent about it. Put it in the file name. So that way, you know, you might need to look for the methods that you did for HFC 2022. And you can type in hashtag methods, hashtag HFC 2022. Go back and find it really easily uh, because you have put it in the file name or, you know, at the header of the document. And if it has robust enough search, if your platform has robust enough search, it will find that really easily. Um, that tagging is is really crucial too, um, especially when it comes to user feedback, but that's a whole other separate thing. You can, you can, <laughs> that's not file storage. That's analysis. We'll get into that another time. Um, that's my thoughts on it. I don't know. Uh, let's get into the, the, well, just before you do that, the, yeah. the, I think the most important bit that probably both of us come out with is none of this happens by accident. You, it takes a little bit of planning. It takes a little bit of thought. It might take a little bit of evolution, but it does take, uh, don't, don't like the process word, but it does take a little bit of agreeing a process and working with it to, and and then briefing everybody else into it so everybody uses it in the same way, no matter what platform you use. Um, it's a, get the process right and then everything else, actually you, re, you reap the rewards later on. Yeah, agree. Uh, this last one is something that we don't typically do, but we're going to do it anyway. Th this question is, why is sign up ultra prominent nowadays, but sign in gets buried? This is by Adequate Elderberry on the user experience subreddit. We don't typically like talk about UI stuff too much. Mm. Um, they say, hello, UX folks. I've noticed over some time that a lot of popular platforms seem to be uh, making account creation procedures more and more central. Older, eye-catching, etc. The reasoning here is not too hard to understand. They all want more users and are streamlining the processes. But I'm baffled why they often don't they, why they often do it at the expense of a login procedures for existing accounts. It's gotten to the point where I'm actually annoyed having to look up some uh, small non-bold sign-in text link, in the upper right-hand corner or something like that. I also noticed the wording in general seems to shift from register slash login to sign-in versus sign-up, which brings no obvious advantage, but, they're, uh, but is more likely to get mixed up. So please tell me from a professional human factors or UX perspective. Is there any underlying rationale behind some of these developments that escapes my layman's awareness as there is so often in UX? So from my perspective, I think it's the majority of it is because we now use, make so much use of auto, auto sign-in. Um, the actual times you go and click in the actual sign-in button um, is so limited compared to um, when you first land on on something and they really want to drive you into um, to signing up and, and moving forward. Especially now there's a whole lot of prominence around using, um, you know, either your Google ID, your Facebook ID, or Apple ID, all the other IDs that already exist. They're trying to get you to, to train in with that. And because when you normally now go on it and you'll be auto logged in if you've you've already signed up, then chances of you seeing that page are actually slim, um, very, very low now. Um, there is an interesting flip on this. So there are some um, some um, face, uh, some pages out there now, some sites out there that, uh, in fact, we've used recently that actually just trying to find the sign up element is is really really difficult. Yet the sign in is, is really prominent, which seems to be seems to fly in the face of this to a certain extent. But that also does seem to be a, a bit of a trend, which I can't justify in my head as easily as I as I can justify this one. 
but yeah, I think for me that fundamentally that's that's why it is is because so many people don't really actually see the uh, the login page now because we do the auto sign in. Nick, have you got a different take to that? Uh, no, I have the same take. I think the other piece of this um, that I don't know it, it's probably a back end thing, honestly, but I don't understand why at this point in 2022 we can't just put in our credentials what we think they are and if they exist log in great found a user for this username great uh if they don't exist hey would you like to make an account and it's just all one unified login um that's as my (laughs) that's my grumbly take uh i think more seriously you know there's um i think you're right there's there's sort of uh, uh everyone's going to be logged into these systems 90% 90% of the time and the 10% of the time that you're not, uh, you just got to do a little hunting. Um, and they've kind of weighed that with the uh, sort of benefit of having one of these sign up things available and easy to get to. So that way people get in their system. That's ultimately what it comes down to. I don't think we're sort of overthinking it at all. I think that's kind of yeah. it. Uh, and I think, um, just in terms of the wording, right? Register versus sign up. Um, I think register has a more, uh, it's a different connotation to it. It's, a, it's almost like uh, you're committing to something where signing up is like, I don't know, kind of an industry standard right now for for getting into a platform. That's, that's my two cents. I don't want to spend too much time on this. We don't normally do these, but it was a fun one. Um, I'm, I'm grumbly about it, but... <laughs> It just proves that we can still do that whole UX thing. And, yeah, uh, yeah, we yeah uh, we can we can do logically it. do stuff. <laughs> we, we do this in our day job. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> All right. Well, this this next part of the show needs no introduction. It's just one more thing, Barry. What is your one more thing this week? And I'm going to stick with one more thing, rather than my rather than my two. I'm going on holiday next week. We talked about mental health and needing to refresh and regenerate and all that sort of stuff. And I'd like to say that I, you know, I. I very much volunteered to go on a holiday next week, but as is my usual thing, um, I, I was told I'm going on a holiday next week because apparently, who knew, I'm a little bit stressed, um, oh. given it's been quite a while. And we're just coming, we're coming to the end of um, a couple of very large jobs and this, that, and the other. So um, Amanda very kindly suggested in a very forthright manner that we're going on a holiday. And um, so I'm really very much looking forward to it. We've got a stressful couple of days just to um, finish out a couple of bits of work. Uh, next week, I won't. Do, I'm not allowed to take my laptop. I think my phone's going to be slightly restricted. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 going to try and practice what we preach today, and and go and look after myself a little bit. I am I'm thrilled for you. So that means you're going to leave me high and dry next week for content. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. <don't>, <laughs> I want to say, don't worry about it, because like I said, we are trying to get um, some of that uh, healthcare symposium. Mm-hmm. Uh, preview out for you in place of a of a regular scheduled podcast next week. So that's why we didn't put it in the programming notes. Anyway, if if nothing's next week, you know Barry's on holiday. As for me, um, you know I I had a a I don't know it was a weird moment <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. Um, we've had some technical setbacks on the show. You know, last <laughs> week it was my microphone, <laughs> and two weeks ago it was uh. It was the fact that the service that we use to broadcast uh, kind of froze up on us um, at at uh, towards the end of the show, so we lost some content. Um, I really this has kind of got me down um, in 
<laughs> I, I know it's just a podcast, but really we do put a lot of effort and and time into this thing on a weekly basis. And, and genuinely, it's something that we feel passionate about. And so when it doesn't go as well as it could, it, it really bums me out. It's a hobby, but it's also, you know, a way for me to connect with the community. And, um, you know, I felt like one week after another, it was something outside of our control or really just a dumb little mistake that kind of impacted the quality of the show. And, um, you know, the, there's a comment on Discord this week that actually made give me gave me a big chuckle. Uh, and I want to call it out. This one's from Asami that says uh, only some of us are bots. This was after saying that they really liked the show. So, you know, it's it's always just refreshing to hear from people on the other side of the headphones because we're sitting here, we're talking into a microphone. Like I said, we put a lot of time and effort into this thing. And um, sometimes it feels like no one's listening, even though we know there are. We, we see the numbers. We know people are listening. But, you know, hearing from hearing from you all, it's like hearing from the users, right? Like, ultimately. Yeah, it's uh it's refreshing. So thank you. Um and and really that goes for anyone who's ever left a kind comment about the podcast. Can't thank you enough uh for your kind words. Uh it just it means a lot to me. Um so that's it. That's it for today, everyone. Uh if you like this episode and enjoy some of the discussion about mental health and what it and want to hear about some potential solutions to monitoring mental health, I'll encourage you all to go listen to episode 174. We discussed uh researchers creating an app basically to monitor some mental health by measuring emotions uh you can always comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week for a more in-depth discussion join us in our after show or join us on our discord community you can uh, visit our official website like i mentioned and sign up for our newsletter stay up to date with all the latest human factors news if you like what you hear you want to support the show there's a couple things you can do one just jump in our discord let us know that we're doing all right uh <laughs> that's really awesome um you can always leave us a five-star review. That's something you can do, too. We see those, and we appreciate those. You can tell your friends about us. The more people that listen to the show, uh, we, we grow by word of mouth. So that really helps us out, too. Uh, and if you're you're really feeling generous, you can always support us on Patreon. That financial stuff uh, helps with some of the behind-the-scenes stuff here. As always, links to all of our socials and our website are going to be in the description of this episode. I want to thank Mr. Barry Kirby for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to figure out where they can bother you on holiday? If you want to bother me on a holiday, then you can hit me up on Twitter at Baz underscore K, or you can go and listen to my podcast at 1202podcast.com. Uh, that's our website uh, for the 1202 Human Podcast. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in to Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it depends. It depends. And if you're hanging out live... There we go. Get the get the post show music going. Uh, it's like we a got party. The, yeah, it's a party up in here. Um, wow, what a fantastic show that was. That was good fun. It's, um, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're all fantastic shows, but some tend to, I don't know, spark. some shine. Yeah. Uh, and man, I can't tell you how much I needed that after a couple weeks of technical setbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just wait. we are sure it's gone out, aren't we? We, we, what? Sure. we? we are sure that it's gone out. And it's uh, all... Yeah, no, I'm, hang on. You know what? Let me just check the audio here. Yeah, no, we're good. Really quickly. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, that was a great show. That was great. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we didn't actually hit. And I want to make sure that we get into that and reward the people who are sticking around. Um, sure. So so there was, a, there was a couple topics 
on um, the the main mental health uh, article that we were covering that we actually didn't even get to. Um, I think we had talked about psychological safety, risk assessment, all those things. Um, I don't, we can, we can break this. It's not the show. We can break this down however we like. We can go on as many tangents as we want, but know that there's, uh, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about psychological st- safety. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> there's a couple factors here. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because again, um, it kind of goes into that bit that I was talking, talking about at the beginning around how do we, bring in um psychological and mental well-being into um into a safe workplace so again the highlights the, the notes highlight so if, um if you're faced if staff are faced with fear ignorance discrimination um and that could be you know unconscious and unintentional as well as you know bullying or that or that type of thing um when they're discussing mental health issues then they're not going to go and seek support and and you can that just makes logical sense that um so we need leaders that um, can develop a culture to allow staff to actually speak up. And it's not just saying about raising concerns. It's about, it is about listening. It's about taking it on board and and doing something about it. Um, and closing the loop as well. Not just saying, yeah, okay, I've got that. We're going to do something, but actually going back to the map with and saying, look, this is what we've, uh, this is what we've done. This is what, what change we've made because of what you've done. And, and everyone can do that. Um, you don't, just because, I mean, we, we sort of talk about the um, employers, but actually to be a leader or, or even just a champion of health and care services, um, you, can, you can really push this idea of a supportive culture um, to make sure that people don't have, their, have that sort of fear of blame or repercussion. I think it's, uh, that is something that we don't do enough of. Well, in fact, I don't, do we even do it at all, one would argue. Um, in a real, in a real meaningful way, um, I'm probably doing a lot, some organisations a massive disservice. But I think generally, um, or every organisation could do better at this. What yeah. do you think, Nick? No, I think you're right. Um, hang on, I, I want to make two comments really quick. First off, uh, thank you for this comment. This is this is the stuff, type of stuff I was just talking about. This is really uh, flattering and um, and play for egos. Uh, <laughs> So thank you so much. Uh, and you can drop questions in as much as you like. Yes, please do. And feel free to do that during live stuff too. We mm. we can answer stuff live and that's great fun too. Um, in fact, okay. I, I, I insist you put in a question now. And we, we're just going to sit here in silence until you put in a question. Oh, man. Uh, my camera's glitching. I know. I can't figure out what's going on with this thing. It's like a... It, it flickers, right? It does this weird flickering thing. Um, and I, I just, and, and sometimes, sometimes the camera even like stops working entirely. It happened in the pre pre show where Barry and I talked for like 10 minutes before. Um, yes, I do have so much trouble with technology <laughs> and tech related issues. It's, uh, yeah. So maybe we need, we need to get, to get somebody like Elgato or somebody to come and sponsor us. So you can give, sponsor. give you some new, give you some new tech. Other webcams are available. So uh, I know, I know I'm using a cheapo, like $30 one from some third party. <laughs> I need to get a better one. It's on the list of stuff to get. I know. Uh, very, very long list. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Uh, getting back to your point. Um, I do want, I want to make a point that I don't think I talk about 
on the show a lot, but we, you just mentioned leadership and how that is kind of critical to um, sort of understanding psychological safety. And I want to I want to comment on this because it's it's a philosophy that I hold and um, any any members of our uh, of our digital media lab know this. But um, whoever's in our lab, the the commitment is that you are there. You're excited for human factors. But we know that real life comes first and we know that this is um, it's a volunteer work. And so, like, I always, always, always prioritize people's mental well-being. I, you know, never hold deadlines to stuff in the lab, um, which is why sometimes there's projects that have been put on the shelf that we've been working on for a while and uh, don't quite see the light of day. But other things, you know, get get done and produced. And um, it's because people have other stuff they have going on that anyway it's just a philosophy that i wanted to share about that leadership and kind of making people feel like um or not feel bad about not getting stuff done that's that's the ultimate thing right is like i don't want people to feel like they're pressured in a lab that they're already volunteering their time and effort into um it's just not anyway psychological safety there it is uh okay um, so uh, one of the other bits that gone. Hold on, the, 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 uh, the question came in, Barry. Oh, you, yes. you asked for the question. Here's the question. Brilliant. Yes, let's do. Let's do the question. Uh, I'm a graduate I'm, student in. Wait, you got it. What's a term? What's a terminal masters? That, that sounds. That's not a phrase I'm, I'm used to. Um, anyway, I'm a graduate student in a terminal masters. I'm just curious if it was helpful from a student perspective to be involved in more subject area specific communities in HFE. Love the field. I'm not very curious. I, I am very curious, uh, so I'm excited to get involved, but don't know the utility of those human factors uh, and ergonomics groups as a student, not currently in working in the industry. Okay, so I think what you're talking about is the technical groups, and um, uh, does does Chartered Institute have any technical groups or like subgroups? Yeah, yeah, we have a number of special interest groups um, yeah. that do that, and also just to um, you know, then also we've pushed out a lot of webinars at the moment on a broader, YouTube, broader range of stuff. But yeah, we, we do have a, have a number of SIGs um, okay. that I do. Um, I think they, I mean, in many ways, I think they're great things to be involved with. You know, they're things you can, in to a certain extent, it's a, it could be a bit like a bit like our, our lab, that you can dip into them, uh, depending on how well or not they're run. Um, you can dip into them and get to learn a bit more, get to, you know, it, it's effectively volunteering a bit of your time um and you will you know pick up more a broader range of skills so i'm i'm involved i mean i'm involved in our defense special interest group because that's one of, one of the things i that's my day job um so that's interesting from that perspective but i'm also involved in an ai and digital health group now um so that that's the use of ai and digital within within that within the health domain now I've got no real experience in the health domain, and so I'm obviously doing a almost. I'm there to do that transfer piece of AI and, and digital into into the health domain. But I find that fascinating. You've got um, because I pick up so much for, um, for from it around the health domain that I wouldn't be able to get in any other way. I, you know, I can't just rock into a health job and say, "Oh, let me do all this," because I have no experience in that whatsoever. Um, so it is a great way of, I think, doing some slight transitioning. Um, so yeah, I mean, what, what about your experiences, Nick? What do you think? Uh, yeah, so let's talk about technical groups. Um, we're not 
on i mean we're on air but it's not the main show so i'll be a little bit more candid here technical groups or special interest groups you'll get out of them what you put into them um and so i'm not going to sit here and say like they're the greatest thing on the planet but i will offer um some sort of advice right so they are really great for making connections um if you go to like the meetups when they have them at a conference, that is a great opportunity to meet people that are working often in that field. So like, like take, take uh, an example that I did. Um, uh, I, I was in the VR or virtual environments technical group for HFES for a long time. Um, still am, but am not as involved. Never really was too involved, but I did attend a couple of the meetups and I met some really cool people who are working on some very cool things. Um, and, you know, had the conversations gone differently, I may have, you know, <laughs> had uh, had a job lined up with somebody. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you were considering the Virtual Environments Technical Group. It's, it's, a, it's a great group of people. Um, and like I said, you, you get out of it what you put into it. They're, um, they are largely dependent on how they're run. Uh, you know, I've been kind of plugged out of that one for a while now, um, especially since pandemic. I, I would say since like 2018, honestly, uh, I've been kind of unplugged um, really from any technical group. But uh, technical groups in general, like I said, can offer you um, a really good set of networking people that are specialized around a specific topic. And um, the more you have to kind of bring to those things the better right so i was when i went when i went to those regular meetings i was in grad school still and i was um working on vr stuff and so you know it was, it was easy to get in and, and talk about what i was working on in comparison to what they were working on and who was doing what in the field and um all that stuff it gets a little more difficult if you're like an outsider I don't know, Barry, from your experience, is that true? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think it is, isn't it? It's, it's, I'm just trying to think because each one I've been part of and, and engaged with is, is, is different and it is, it's, it's made up, made up of its personalities. How it's led is so, is so key. Um, I've got some other groups that I'm a member of on, slightly outside of human factors but but with an engineering hat on um they have such a very different tone again um because of what it is that they're, they're trying to do so yeah it, it is so dependent on the leadership and actually one of the things i've maybe it's just because i'm slightly arrogant and bullshit but um if i don't like if i don't think the way the way it's working is conducive to us getting stuff out of it i will either go one of two ways i will either step back and always do what you did i'll, I'll just unplug because if it's not I don't think it's going to develop anything good. Our own time is so precious. Yeah. Um, and having been working a very long day today, you know, and like I say, trying to cram stuff in to get this thing, you sort of realize that there are only so many hours in one day. So actually something's not conducive to work in either you unplug or step up. If you think it's got a future, if you think you can see um, um, a vision for it that you've got, and actually a vision is 50% is, is the battle of leadership. Um, if you know where you want yeah. to go and you've got the opportunity to do so not everybody can do it and not everybody's empowered to do it and 
I completely get that. But actually, with a lot of these voluntary groups um, are a are a place where actually, you know, if you're going to do something good uh, or you want to do something good, most people would bite your arm off if you're if you're going to show uh, motivation and keenness because there's a lot of other people sitting there saying, "Well, I don't want to do anything. I'm just here along for the ride." So um, they do provide opportunities. Yeah. I want to jump into because it also depends on your entry point, right? Yeah. I, I love I love these questions in the post show because we can really spend time on them, um, you know, instead of the five minutes we have in the regular show. Um, it, it depends on your entry point too, right? If if you are, um, you know, master student, I think you probably have a good in to say, you know, hey, I'd I'd love to help out with, um, I don't know, uh, like moderating a, a discussion or moderating a panel and you know they a lot of these technical groups really need uh people to do that type of stuff and and that's a good entry point to say i want to get involved i want to put in work um and that also gets you connections to the people who are leading that technical group or special interest group and then I, from I, there I, sorry no. go ahead barry no, i was just, just going to say because i thought you could, i was wanted to say thank you for um explaining what you meant by terminal masters um that's um that's very helpful i haven't heard of that phrase before yeah they they always need people to do that and or or like volunteer with um you know setting stuff up so there's there's a at least in the um in the virtual environments technical group they usually do like a a, a session called me and my ve uh that's done at in-person conferences that um you know, basically has uh, everyone comes with their own tech demo for VR stuff. And I'm sure there's a lot of setup that needs to happen there. And there's a lot of people there that probably need stuff. So like, just ask to like get involved in some way, right? It could be, it could, it could be just as simple as moderating or doing something. Once you get in and, and kind of get your feet wet and um, sort of have done the handshaking with the people who, are in charge of that technical group, so to speak, then you can say, Hey, look, I'd, I'd love to get even more involved. I, I, you know, feel passionate about this technical group. And that's where you start to get into the conversations that Barry was having. If you have a vision for a technical group and you want to become part of that structure, that gives you a pathway to become more involved in that technical group. It gives you a pathway to uh, potentially move up within the organization. If that's something that you want to do, uh, at least for HFES, there's, there's kind of a clear pathway. <laughs> you know, you you um, it's it's a muddy pathway, but it's kind of clear, right? <laughs> clear as mud. <laughs> you can kind of hop up the ladder. Um, and it's been a while since I've actually looked at the org chart and all that stuff. But uh, essentially, if you lead a TG, you might jump to I don't know a, a more um, what's what's the word? It's executive council role, or um, I really should know this working with hfes for a long time uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh the thing with hfes though isn't it because it is i mean cihf is um is a large organization but it's not huge um because it's obviously based in the uk and we've got yes we've got um you know regions and, and that sort of stuff but actually the hierarchy is comparatively flat uh, whereas in hfes it, it must be huge because you must have you know you've got your countrywide stuff and then you've got regional um, they'll all have their own hierarchies quite a lot, I should imagine. The, the regional stuff doesn't matter so much, um, eh. but uh, largely because, I mean, it's been non-existent over, uh, you know, the last couple of years. Um, mm, that's true. Yeah. Let me, so there's, 
Yeah, I, I mean, if you want to see the HFES org chart, I have it up. Hang on, let me uh, let me share my screen. <laughs> Uh, here's the HFES org chart um, while we're talking about it. Uh, and um, yeah, it's, it's uh, let's see here. Let me share it. There we go. It's a rather small organizational chart. Um, hang on. We'll get, there we go. Yeah, rather small, right? <laughs> wow. Uh, so, I mean, like, if, if you think about all this stuff, right, There's there's different divisions within... Um, and, and each technical group will kind of have their own organization. Um, see, so, so you have like chairs of technical groups down here under internal affairs division. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you can really work your way up literally, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you go from a technical group chair to a, um, uh, council of technical groups participant or, um, you know, become involved in some of these other affinity groups or something like um, I know there's like a, yeah, there, there you go. The BIPOC group, you have the, um, the, there's like women's group to early career professionals. There's a bunch of different subgroups that you could become a part of. And the more you're involved, I don't know if this is, if this is interesting at all, um, uh, we can talk about it on discord or something, but like there's, there's a lot of pathways up the chart. Like for me, I don't know. I, I was involved in a couple subcommittees. And like HFES executive council doesn't really sound uh, like a career goal that I want to aspire to. It'd be cool. Like, but I don't, my heart's not in it. My heart's in communicating human factors. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's why we're here on a podcast every week. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it, the more you're involved, I think the better opportunities you have. Cause I think, I don't know. That's that's the way I think about it, right? The more connected you are with some of these affinity groups, you know these people are working in human factors, and so you could always like. That's the thing for me is you can always reach out to somebody and say, "Hey, uh, do you have a job?" And if the likely answer is no, then you can say, "Can you make room for a job?" And sometimes that happens. Um, connections. Anyway, this is a big long tangent. From a very simple question. Don't <laughs> yeah. no, they no, regret asking the question now? <laughs> <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> no. Actually, I've just looked at that now. I've just gone onto the CIHF website to see if we had um, such a, sim- a similar uh, diagram. And it highlights actually the, the CIHF actually launched a new website this week. Um, oh. It might have been late last week. Um, is it? CIHF.org? It is. No, it's ergonomics.org.uk. Oh, right. Um, but we've got a new logo, um, and it's new and, and bright and, and stuff. Oh, wow, look at that. That's um, fancy. It is. Um, well, if you go on to, oh, where do we find that now? The About Us and, I think, Our People? Yeah. Um, so that shows you some of the, uh, some of the people involved. So Norseman is the chief exec, and Tina, she's she basically makes the whole thing run. She's awesome. Um, and Iris is, she's, she's been fairly recent and so goes and basically rings all of the members to make sure they're all on board and happy and stuff. And so you've got all the, all the staff, um, yeah. so all them paid employees. Then if you scroll down a bit further and you've got your exec committee, um, which is nice and 
simple. They, they, you, you have your past president, your current president, your future president, and the treasurer, um, and trustees of which I'm on that list somewhere. Um, is that your, yeah, that's your current members of council. And look, there's me, um, which I've been doing now for the about past three years. In fact, that's up for re-election as well this year. Um, and then the only other, the, the main one that we have that sort of sits aside from that is this thing called the Professional Affairs Board, um, and co-chaired by two um, two awesome women, uh, Fiona and Barbara, who do a lot of this. But that they're the they're the ones who look after all the accreditations um, and your um, your personal CPD assessments and stuff. Um, and then all, look at look at all the other stuff about how we do that. And everything else is, you know, special interest groups, task groups, all that sort of stuff sits under them. But they're really the, the elect-wise, they're the two main structures that we've got. Um, but it just shows the, the 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 difference in the numbers of people, doesn't it, in terms of organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, can I comment on this really quick? Uh, the, like, I have an immediate prejudice. Uh, which is just prejudging people um, based on their answers to these like supposedly fun questions. Why, why is it that only Tina is a dog is a cat person? Everyone else is dog people. And um, well, that's because as much as I, I love Tina, she has to have a fault, and there it is. Whoa! Hey, man, did you not <laughs> see my cat? She was like jumping up here during the show. <laughs> uh, most of most people in my family are allergic to cats so if you just keep your cat over there then, then yeah, that's no, awesome she'll, she'll be that's sitting right it. here by me um, <laughs> um but yeah, answer, fair, we should answer the first time I've, i was saying it's the first time i've been on this page in this new format so actually i, I really like this whole uh the getting to know you bit um in fact i'm going to demand that we that, that everybody on the executive committee and the trustees also does the same thing because i think it's, it's quite a nice it's quite a nice thing can we, can we do it right here, you and I? Um, Let's do it. Are, are you a tea or coffee person? Uh, coffee. Always I am, coffee. I am tea. I'm, I'm, I'm into peppermint tea and peppermint and licorice tea in an evening. Um, I, I'm, but generally I, coffee. I'm really more of an energy drink person, but <laughs> that's not an option here. Um, uh, really bad but I don't. Yeah, I know. But but I don't. <laughs> I don't drink coffee at all. I drink tea rarely, so I'd be tea. Uh, dogs or cats? Uh, we have dogs, uh, or have a dog. So yeah, more, definitely more of a dog person out the dog cats. Yeah. Okay, I am a cat person. So so far we are complete opposites. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you a spring or autumn person? Probably spring, mainly because I, I like to. You know, we're in that bit of the. It's starting to get warm again, and because in Wales it it's wet and it's damp all the time. And so when you start to get to spring, you think, ah, oh, yes, the summer's coming, and we have to make sure we yeah. catch that just before we blink and we miss it. Yeah, and uh, I am an autumn person, uh, continuing okay. with our theme of, of uh, being Are opposites. Opposites. Uh, are you a sweet or savory person? I'm definitely a savory person. Okay, we agree on something. Yay. Yeah, because the um, Amanda, uh, my wife, really likes, you know, she'll do the main course and dessert. So, you know, when you get, get two courses for like whatever, whatever price, she's very much the main course dessert thing, whereas I'm very much starter main course. Um, and I'm, yeah, I much prefer yeah. my, my savings. Are you uh, TV or music? Oh, probably more TV. Though I do, yeah, yeah. No, I think that, yeah, probably TV. Okay, I'm a bit fifty-fifty because actually I quite like listening to music as well. Not as much. Oh, I who would have thought this would give me such angst. Probably out of the two, I probably sit now. Now I sit down and watch more TV in my downtime, but probably because I just don't have that much downtime. 
Whatever. Yeah, I'm TV too. Um, as as evidenced in the pre-show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes. And um, lastly, town or country? Country. By a yeah. long trip. Oof, boy. Like it, it. It really depends. Oh, geez, where's my button? It really. <laughs> where's my button? There you go. I, I need to. Get, I need to get an audio thing set up of that. That's a. Uh... In fact, you can do that. Yeah, no, do, do the same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it really depends. Like living uh, closer to country, but um, like fun stuff to do. I guess more town. Uh, so we we live in a in a village at the moment, so quite a small village. But we also have the beauty of our um, our house is right in the center of the village, pretty much. But it, it, it we we. Our neighbours, uh, one is a is a social community group type thing, and then the other side is a church um, with a graveyard and stuff. So, actually, if our neighbours go bad, then that's that that's actually a sign of the apocalypse. Um, so we we have different issues, but we it's quite nice just being um, settled in the in the centre. Um, so we've got you know quite a decent sized garden and stuff, but still have the village living exercise, and, and not actually that far away from a town or a city. So are you still there? Have you managed to fr- freeze your calm and completely freeze your input? No, I'm here. I'm here. No, you're there, but, but your you calm again just doesn't like play. I'm gonna have to invest in a cam for you. No, you know what? Um, I think I think it's I think it's a restream thing because I'm I'm seeing it on the live feed, but you're frozen. So I, I was watching that too because you keep free- anyway. Uh, we're, okay. both we're both there. We're both yeah, there. Yeah, no, that's not that, that that's that's. Um, yeah. Maybe we need to write to restream and, and and just sort of say, look, you, you're you're messing us around now. Uh, we were getting so we, we we loved you so much, and now you, you're you're just making us doubt. I know. Um, I know. What's going on? Well, they're they're watching us right now. They're saying, "Hey, you haven't responded to our offer uh, after you know uh, after we our stuff failed on you." Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we're we're a couple minutes out, um, and we yeah. touched on <laughs> nothing that we said we would in the post show. That's we okay. Did, we did one. Uh, we did one, one we did psychological yeah. safety. Uh, um, you know what? I thought okay. we had a good discussion, uh, and that was that was a great question. Um, and I, I love answering the live questions because of that reason, right? It, it yes. directly uh, gives feedback to somebody who needs it. Um, we, we give them what, what they wanted. Yes, indeed. Um, I don't know. Okay, let's pick one more. Let's get one more out before we go. Uh, if if there's one that you want to talk about, which one is it? And then let's talk about it. And then I'll pick one too, and then we'll be done. How about you pick one because I've just closed the window. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Let's let's go with uh, work design, right? So so thinking about mental health at work. Um, Need to be flexible or, not, or allow that flexibility and work arrangements so that people can manage their stuff, their commute to work, um, their other responsibilities impacted by, at least over the last couple of years, the pandemic, mm-hmm. childcare, other things, right? So don't set a rigid schedule of nine to five. If your kid doesn't need to be in the school until nine, then, you know, allow for some leeway there. Um uh, adapt some of these working policies to enable some quicker decisions. Um, allow for leave or breaks. Just be flexible. I, I I think the theme here is flexibility, right? If you're considering making changes to the ways in which you're working, making sure that you're designing that workplace, um, or 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 redesigning that workplace, use opportunities to design in some of these ways in which, uh, 
you know, you might be able to help with this, this mental health approach, um, or, or healthy mentality, mentally healthy, <laughs> however you want to call it. All of that. Yeah. Um, create an environment that encourages and supports staff to seek help with mental health concerns. So this is another one too, is like, you know, if you have, if you have a bunch of people, uh, get, making sure that they have the resources available to seek these mental health issues and encourage it and, and destigmatize it really is, is the work that we're trying to, uh, put in here. And then, um, lastly in this little thing here is consider what reasonable adjustments you should make for employees who have well-being issues, uh, such as changes to working hours, work locations, and their duties. So being, again, flexible with understanding. Uh, anything you'd like to add to work design before we wrap it up and get out of here? I think I'm glad we got well, I guess the, Just to wrap up, um, I guess it all is just this idea of, of we talked about earlier about acknowledging and recognizing um, everything that's, got, that's going on. Because if, if not just leaders, um, employees, but we all acknowledge that everybody's going through their own journey, their their own pressures that we that we don't know about, but um, we can we can all help each other um, either directly or indirectly. Um, celebrate new ways of working and, and recognize what's worked well and what you can change. Um, I learned so much, certainly in the in, certainly in the first lockdown. I learned a lot, and it was interesting seeing how in the first lockdown, so many people, you know, we did so much, but then then second and third lockdown. You know, we, we sort of took it a bit more for granted and maybe that was something we could have improved. But um, but yeah, just talk, people. We, we've got to do it. Um, we as human factors professionals can be doing so much more, I think, for everyone else. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here. Uh, thank you if you've been hanging out with us live. Really appreciate the comments tonight. Um, mm -hmm. that, was, that was a ton of fun. And uh, I thought it was a great show. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, I don't think we won't be live next week. We'll have something for you, but we won't be live. Um, you can always chat with us in Discord. In the meantime, we're going to try to do more of those hangouts. Uh, so that way you can talk to us there. Uh, yeah. I'm going on holiday. So All right, Barry. Yeah, you go on holiday. Bye. I'll, I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> see you in two weeks, man. Have a good holiday. And you all see you later. Bye. All right. Bye, everyone.